The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to This is Catholicism on member-supported Restoration Radio. I'm your host, Stephen Heiner. As always, we have with us His Excellency Bishop Donald Sanborn. Your Excellency, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So we're going to move on to the fourth article today in the Catechism uh, by Father DeHarb. And this is continuing a discussion of our Lord. The first question is, what does the fourth article of the Creed teach us? It teaches that our Lord suffered for us and died on the cross and was laid in the grave. We're in Eastertide. The second question seems a bit strange, perhaps. Did Christ really die? Uh, Yes, it's something that we take for granted. Uh, However, there were many in the uh, history of the church who said he did not really die. A number of heretics, and included in those are the Muslims. Uh, that they uh, that he did not really die on the cross, uh, and uh, uh, the uh, in fact, of course, he did. The proof of it is the uh, water and blood that came out of his heart when he was uh, pierced with the lance, and it's a it's an object of our faith that he truly died on the cross. It it would be impossible for anyone to have suffered what he suffered without dying. It, it, it was only by his, his divine power that he made it through the entire passion. Anyone else would have died along the way. Uh, as a matter of fact, something that we don't often realize is that our Lord did not succumb to death, but he willed his own death. He died when he wanted to, uh, because death had no power over him. He was God. And he wanted to suffer all the way to the end. And uh, as he said, no man takes my life from me, but I give it up of myself. And so he decided when he was going to die, when he would give up his life. Uh, It's something we don't think about or realize, but it is true that uh, he did not succumb to uh, what was being done to him, but he decided to give up his life when he wanted to. Well, interestingly, too, Your Excellency, Scripture doesn't use the term die, correct? It says our Lord gave up his spirit. Is that related to what you're speaking no, about? No, well, it, it is. Uh, he gave up his spirit. That, that means willingly he did that. It's the equivalent of dying. I mean, it, it's not to say that he didn't die. But it, it is interesting that that's that, that is the way in which this, the sacred Scripture uh, describes it, that he gave up his spirit. He decided that that was the time for him to die. Uh, but he died a true death. 
Why was this such a stumbling block? Why was it hard for people to believe that he died or conjecture that, no, he didn't die, actually? Well, it's a way of denying the resurrection, you see, that, that he had a bad day and that they took care of him and, and brought him into uh, some secluded place and, and fixed him up, and then he was okay in three days, which is perfectly absurd. Mm. But uh, anything to deny the resurrection, anything to deny the faith, I mean, come up with any absurdity you want in, in order to deny the faith. Question number three, why did Christ will to be buried? Uh, because he wanted his death to be undeniable. Uh, it is very important that, that he die a death uh, so that no one could say uh, that he didn't die or that no one could say that he just disappeared to someone's house. He wanted to have a public burial uh, that was seen by many witnesses uh, that could attest to the fact that he was in the tomb. You see, the, what they're going to find on Easter Sunday morning is an empty tomb and the testimony of the angels that he has risen. Uh, and so the, uh, it was very important that people know, that everyone know, that he was in that tomb. And so also Pilate placed some soldiers there. So even Pilate knew that he was in the tomb. The Jews knew that he was in the tomb. Uh, it's very important in, in the proof. The most important miracle that our Lord performed was his own resurrection. Even if none of the other miracles existed, the miracle of his resurrection proves that he is God and therefore that everything he says is infallible and worthy of our faith. It is the, the proof of, of the Catholic religion. So he did everything right concerning it so that no one could ever say differently. Well, and it follows on from your previous point. You have to prove that you have died. The, if the blood and the water weren't enough, then the tomb and, and rolling the stone in place would, would, would be a further confirmation of that. Yes. Question four, did Christ suffer as God or as man? As man. As God, he is incapable of suffering. Uh, he is both God and man. And the very purpose of taking on human flesh uh, and the human nature was in order to die, primarily, in order to suffer and die. Uh, the, the human nature is an instrument of the divine nature for the redemption of man. Question number five was answered within your question for question number two. Your Excellency, was Christ compelled to suffer death? And you spoke about the fact that it was not something forced upon him, but something that he chose himself. But question six is asking why. Why was it the will of Christ to suffer and die? Well, first of all, that the scales of divine justice had to be balanced. God could have forgiven the human race by simply forgetting about his sin, uh, the, human, the sins of human beings. But in order to satisfy justice, there had to be a victim for sin who, on the one hand, could take on the sins of the whole human race because of his innocence, and on the other hand, make an infinite satisfaction. So therefore, you needed a man without sin who was also God. And that, so he is the perfect victim, and he wanted to perform a perfect sacrifice. He could have redeemed the human race uh, theologians say, as some say, either by one good act, which would have been of infinite merit. Others say by a very slight suffering, cutting his finger, for example, he could have redeemed the human race. 
uh, because of the necessity of sacrifice. So there's a bit of a difference of opinion on that. But certainly, either a, certainly a, a, a very minor sacrifice would have balanced the scales of justice. But St. Alphonsus Liguori said the reason why Christ chose to die this kind of death, this extreme death, we might say, was that he loved the human race so much that any other kind of death would have been unworthy of his love. It would not have manifested sufficiently the depth of the sacred heart, uh, the depth of the love of the sacred heart for the human race. Along, along to those uh, sins that our Lord suffered for, question seven, for what sins has Christ given satisfaction? He satisfied for original sin and also for all of the actual sins of the entire human race from the beginning uh, of, of creation to the end of time, and even for sins which would and will not be committed. It's infinite, so even sins that could be committed but will not be committed, he satisfied for. In potentia is what yes, you're saying. Yes, yes. Questions 8 and 9 are related, and you've somewhat answered parts of it, Your Excellency, but I'll repeat the questions anyway. 8, why could no one but Christ make full reparation for our sins? And 9, why is the satisfaction of Christ of infinite value? Yes, so it's uh, he can make full reparation because he is God, and every act that he performs is of infinite merit, uh, and but especially his passion. Uh, merit is always tied to effort, uh, and where there is greater effort, there is greater merit. Uh, so uh, he made full reparation by meriting for us, and. Uh, his satisfaction is of infinite value because he is God. So uh, that's the mystery of the incarnation, that uh, he is a God-man, and therefore his, his even human acts have, uh, are the acts of a divine person. Because he is one person, and that person is the second person of the Blessed Trinity. So even his human acts are the acts of a divine person. Questions 10 and 11 you answered when you were addressing St. Alphonsus's point. Your Excellency, question 10 was, was it necessary for a perfect satisfaction that Christ should suffer such indescribable torments? And 11, why then would he suffer so much? Yes, we did talk about that, that you know, even a minor sacrifice, uh, perhaps even one good act would have been sufficient, but he suffered so much in order to manifest the depth of his of his love of the human race, and uh, obedience to his Father. There are two things in the crucifixion. One is obedience to the will of his Father. The other is the love of the human race. It is the obedience to the will of his Father, which is the true satisfactory uh, or satisfaction because of the disobedience of Adam. As Adam disobeyed, so also Christ obeys. That is the satisfaction. It is the rectification of the human race. Uh, it is to make the human race obedient to God. And he gives us the possibility of doing that through the grace that he won for the human race on the cross. Uh, sanctifying grace rectifies man, puts man in order to God, in rectitude to God. Uh, and that is what he won for us on the cross. I suppose, too, you see in a certain way, the, I the idea could be for, for the souls in prayer to know that our Lord has suffered everything. This, this concept mm -hmm. that, oh, you don't understand. You know, when we talk to other humans, we'll say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand what I'm... 
uh, dealing with. But our Lord, in, in, as you said, this sort of extreme torment, this extreme punishment, can in a way uh, be a model for those of us in prayer, those of us who are going through sufferings, to say, well, certainly didn't go through anything like that, and that uh, there's something that we can identify with in our Lord when we have sufferings that we can take re- you know, consolation in the fact that we haven't experienced anything close to what our Lord experienced. Yes, uh, the purpose of this life is to bear the cross. Um, and it is not to live a nice life. Uh, it is, uh, man cannot escape his relationship to sin and his relationship to God. Uh, his relationship to sin is that he, ha- he is born in original sin. He needs redemption from original sin. He needs redemption from actual sin. He is placed here in order to merit his salvation, to prove to God that he loves God, and after his death, to be united to God in the beatific vision. That is the purpose of human life. Uh, uh, St. Alfonso says the only reason why uh, God keeps us alive is in order to bear crosses. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> they have to think about that. that the, it is the cross which is our purpose in life. See, and that is so contrary to the modern idea of, of life, that we are here to gain wealth, we are here to gain pleasures, we are here to have a beautiful home and a nice car and perfect health and trophy children, one or two trophy children that will be in perfect health, who, who will not die early, they'll, they'll take care of us in our old age. Uh, this paradise that, that the people... Uh, search for every single day. We should have a wonderful job. We should have a great salary. Nothing should happen that should cut off the money. <laughs> so this is live in a beautiful home in the suburbs, and, and <laughs> that this is the purpose of life. And and religion is at best something that is categorized and pigeonholed into a an aspect of life. It's you know we should think a little bit about God. At best, but it, it shouldn't uh, interfere with our birth control or other pursuits which will make us rich and which will will make our earthly life better. And in a certain way, your see this makes sense because there's really there's nothing to look forward to for them. If you're not thinking about eternity, if you're not thinking about what happens next, you do want to make this life, this is the only thing you know, you want to make it as great as possible. Yes, but what is even worse than that is the fact that a lot of these people think that the purpose of life is to lead this good life. God wants us to have this good life. We are meriting, you know, the the spaghetti in heaven, uh, eternal life uh, of the Novus Ordo, and I'll explain that in a Play, minute. Playing golf with Saint Peter. Playing golf with Saint Peter, or if you're a journalist <laughs> interviewing God, all of these perfectly absurd and ridiculous things that make religion absurd when when you hear it. The, uh, that, that, that you are actually fulfilling the will of God in pursuing wealth and pursuing good health, jogging on Sunday morning, or, or that this is, the, this is the purpose of life. God wants you to be happy in this life and then will bring you, no matter what you have done, no matter what your piety is, if you've led this wonderful life, he'll bring you to, to eternal salvation, which is merely continuing the wonderful life of heaven, excuse me, of earth in heaven. Such So if you're an Italian grandmother, you're making spaghetti in heaven. You this start, is what they start say. the sauce and the meatballs early yes. in the morning. Yes. This, I mean, this is totally pagan. 
this kind of afterlife that continues the life of Earth. The thing is, it's not even attractive, Your Excellency. I mean, I, I love I love pasta as much as the next person, but I mean, that's got to be pretty terrible for eternity. <laughs> right. I'd like some other things. And who does the dishes? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it, it's, it is sickening. It is so absurd. Uh, uh, but that's the mentality, is that, and that's the Novus Ordo. So you're wheeled into the church in the Novus Ordo, and, because, and the priest will say, you are a wonderful person, a great guy, and no matter, he won't even think about how pious you were or how much you obeyed the commandments. It's just you were a great guy. And you you said nice things to your neighbor, and and he's in heaven, and they put the white cloth on you, and it's hallelujah. Hmm. No reference to sin. You're in the traditional mass. You're wheeled in in the black cloth, and the whole theme is purgatory. And rest the eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. And it is, the church presumes that the soul is in purgatory. It does not presume that the soul is in heaven. The soul may well be in heaven. And many people do go to heaven right away because of the helps of the church in extremunction and absolution from sin and indulgences, the apostolic benediction. For those who have had the great blessing uh, of having those helps, uh, according to the theologians, they, they are totally prepared for heaven even if they have had some venial sins in their lives, even mortal sins, uh, these things are forgiven and the soul is prepared for heaven. But the, the, uh, the black is there also in order to mourn the principal effect of, of original sin, and that is death, that man has to die. And we mourn that. We mourn sin. That's the reason for those black vestments. Well, and some of our, our listeners, your excellency, may have come over from the Novus Order or are in the, in the process of coming over from the Novus Order. That's part of the purpose of the, our catechism show. Uh, there is an occasion in which y- we do have a white uh, funeral within, within the traditional conception of Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? That's for children who die before the age of reason. And because they are incapable of sin... They are buried in a white casket and the, there is a joyful mass for them because they have achieved their eternal salvation, provided they're baptized, of course. And uh, so uh, that's the only time you see the white. But that, that shows us the difference. And as the church, yes, will say, white for you, alleluia for you, a baby, but not for an adult who is capable of sin, is presumed to have committed sins, and is presumed to have gone to purgatory. Uh, and uh, no matter, you know, even St. Teresa of Avila, who <laughs> was, they were reaching for her relics, <laughs> you know, uh, they had to be stopped from taking her apart because everyone knew she was a saint. And, and uh, I mean, she was buried in black. You know, I mean, the people who were well known for their sanctity were buried in black. Mm. Uh, it's because the church makes certain presumptions and, and also wants people to pray. See, if you get the send-off uh, in white <clears throat> as having achieved your eternal salvation of making spaghetti in heaven for the rest of eternity, uh, people don't pray for the repose of your soul. Mm. It's a pagan rite. It's, it's 
well, yeah, grandma isn't there anymore, and, and, and no one prays for the repose of your soul. The church constantly prays for the repose of souls. It's in the grace after meals. It's in, in the breviary. The priest always says after every hour of the office, the, whole, the divine office, may the souls of the faithful departed, etc. Uh, it, it's everywhere in the church's prayers. Um, and uh, because the church has this responsibility to release the souls in purgatory, that is the church suffering, and we cannot forget about them. And people very piously have masses offered for the holy souls. That that is, you know, that's Catholicism, because uh, we cannot detach ourselves from our relationship to sin. And the purpose of this life is to bear the cross to be obedient to the will of God, and the cross makes us very obedient to the will of God because it's hard. You see, uh, it's, it's much easier to eat a bowl of ice cream than it is to bear a, de, a or disease. Pro, or profiteroles, for Profiterol, example. Profiteroles, uh, yes. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, there's not a lot of merit in doing that. <laughs> Sometimes it could be a sin. But the, the, the bearing of the cross makes obedience difficult. And that's precisely why our Lord died on the cross, that we must obey even at a high price and a great price. We must obey. Now you were talking about the worldlings' sort of zeal for the current life, uh, Your Excellency. You know, they want to have a, a good job and want everything good for their kids. And... I'm reminded that you say whenever you read, you know, some of the lives of these saints, you know, some more of your hair falls out when you read, you know, <laughs> there's an inverse relationship there. They have a real pursuit of eternity. Yes. And so they're very zealous for for reaching beyond this life. And so they're doing things, you know, I would read, I, I'm trying to remember the saint, but he would go out into this pool of cold water and then he would put himself in some hot water or something like this just to have those extremes and remind yes. himself what hell felt like and I was thinking to myself there's, there's yes. just there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this yes. but you, feel, you really feel like you're falling short and, and I suppose it's the, it's the good sort of thing so if the world you know these people are millionaires billionaires and they're trying to make people aspire to be like them when you read the saints stories mm-hmm. it's a bit scary to try to aspire to be like the saints because they're yes. really uh, they have that eternal a glance. Yes, it's important to understand, though, that God raises up those people and makes them evident to the church for our edification. Because we should not think, well, because I can't switch from hot to cold baths, that I'm not going to make it. It's just like the crucifixion itself. We, our vision is fixed on that. When we see the crucifix, we contemplate the passion. It is something that never stops happening for us. It, it, it is always there. And the holy sacrifice of the Mass reminds us of it as well. It is constantly before us. So when we, we read the life of a saint, you remember that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How could I ever do that? It is shocking. It comes up from the page and stays in your mind. And the lesson is there. Well, maybe I can't do the extremes of that, but I could do some penance. And I need to carry my cross. See, that, that's the, uh, no, God does not expect that everyone do those things, uh, you know, roll in the thorns, uh, as St. Francis did. Although uh, we could probably use it. Would, uh, would, I, know, would, I know I certainly could. It could temper the, the passions a great deal, it would. But uh, the, um, the, the, let's call it the extremity of what they do, uh, is a, a very poignant reminder of what we must do, at least to a certain extent. 
Questions 12 and 13 are, are related to what we've been talking about, Your Excellency. From what has Christ redeemed us by his sufferings and death, and what more has Christ gained for us through his sufferings and death? Well, he has redeemed us first from sin, both original and actual, and from eternal damnation, which we deserve by sin. Uh, so we deserve uh, eternal damnation by original sin, at least the damnation of the of the deprivation of the beatific vision. So you must understand that hell, there, there's two, hell includes primarily deprivation of the beatific vision. That is limbo. Limbo is actually, in, in the broad sense, a part of hell. Any place where you die and you are deprived of the beatific vision is, in a sense, hell in the broad sense. You know, uh, But, uh, so... Limbo uh, it has a this uh, permanent deprivation of the beatific vision. That is the greatest of the punishments of man. But then there is what we call the you know hell in the strict sense, the hell of the damned, where there is torment for sin. Uh, just as you go to prison, that is the reason is that where our will has gone against God, God is going to make His will prevail in us by contradicting our will. We are always sad when our will is contradicted. So when pain comes, we are not only afflicted by pain, but we're sad because we want to be healthy. We want to be right. And so there is a price to pay of pain for the things we have enjoyed illicitly. That's the hell of the damned. So the babies don't go to the hell of the damned except in Ratzinger's uh, plan because he says limbo doesn't exist. So the only place that they could go is the hell of the damned, uh, and uh, uh, and but of course he would say that they go to heaven, which would be a heresy because you cannot enter heaven except in the state of sanctifying grace. <clears throat> if you're interested in reading more about that article that uh, His Excellency is speaking of, you can go to traditionalmass.org, uh, and the title of the article is "Damning Limbo to Hell." And it's also available on the Anti-Modernist Reader, Volume 1, available on our website. Question 14. Has Christ merited grace and eternal salvation for those only who are really saved? Uh, um, <clears throat> he has merited eternal salvation for all men. That means that he has made it possible for all men to go to heaven. Because his satisfaction is infinite. Uh, and so the redemption, Christ dying on the cross, makes it possible for us to go to heaven. Uh, in the Protestant sense, it's something like paying the bill at a restaurant so the rest of us are off the hook. So he paid the bill and we don't have to worry now. We're saved if, as long as we believe in him. And that's not the case. <clears throat> That's not true. We have to, in the Catholic doctrine, participate in his passion uh, in order to go to heaven. And that's, that's our last question today, Excellency. If Christ has merited eternal salvation for all men, why then are not all saved? And I suppose that, that's a, that could be an, an entire episode on its own because yes. of the problems we see in the Novus Ordo, but yes. uh, I suppose you can answer that at any length that you'd like. Well, uh, what I just said, that you have to participate, you have to make your obedience to God just as Christ made his obedience to his Father. 
uh, and that was his whole work to do his father's will. He said it many times in the gospel, and and his father's will was that he die, that he be the human sacrifice for sin. God did not require the human sacrifice of Ab- of Abraham. That is that Abraham slay his son Isaac, and he took animals instead awaiting the, the great sacrifice and, and ultimate and true sacrifice of his son in which he demanded a human sacrifice. All right, so we have to participate in that by our obedience to God. And part of that obedience is our piety, our adoration. We have to obey the commandments. We have to do everything that he has instructed us. And so it is not a free ride at all. And the spiritual life of the Catholic Church is primarily this participation in the passion of Christ by our submission to his will. I think that's a good place for us to end your, today, Your Excellency. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll return next month uh, to continue on uh, in this journey of our, we're, I suppose in, in, we're sort of in our Lord's passion now because we've discussed his, his death and his burial, and we'll move on to talk about uh, what happened after that. Yes, the next is the descent into hell, and we'll talk about Luther's and JP2's uh, take on that, which are the same, but we'll, that will be for the next, next time. time. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Your Excellency. We want to remind you that This Is Catholicism is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail, M-A-I-L, at truerestoration.org. If you have any questions for His Excellency or feedback on this episode, please contact us at catechism at truerestoration.org and we will pass on your questions or comments. All of us here at Member Supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful, and beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Stephen Heiner. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.